Hi, welcome to the Southwest Church of Christ Adult Bible Podcast. My name is Mike Lewis, and I'm the Worship and Young Adult Minister at Southwest Church of Christ. And we're going to continue going through our D6 lessons that coincide with our children's Bible classes and their lessons. Hopefully this will be something that parents and adults can talk with their kids and grandkids about. Today we're going to be in the book of Exodus, right at the beginning of Exodus. We're going to talk a little bit about Moses' birth and the situation surrounding that, and then his life uh, as, it begin, as he begins his ministry. So if you'll open up to Exodus chapter 2, that would be a place to start. We're going to read a little bit in 1 as well, but we're going to go through this. There are a couple of key truths that we want to teach in this lesson. Of course, that's difficult to do, is there's so much that I could spend time expanding on and talking about. The life of Moses and the Exodus are just so full of so many timeless lessons, and we've no doubt heard many of those in our lives. But today we're going to be focused on Moses' birth and the circumstances that surround that, as well as the burning bush and his call into ministry and into leadership. So this time of Moses' birth is set over 400 years after Joseph was reunited with his brothers and his father as they were seeking relief from the famine that was happening to them. Here we have God's man, Joseph, with this significant clout in the eyes of the Pharaoh and his rule of Egypt. He'd become this important man in this governing structure, and and people knew that Joseph was close to God. And so now we're in a place here in Exodus 400 or more years later, and we have a new Pharaoh. And so all that clout that Joseph had, all the clout that really God had had with this country of Egypt had disappeared. Now Pharaoh has enslaved the next generations of Israelites. As we read in Exodus chapter 1 verse 8, now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. This new Pharaoh, he was unfamiliar with the man of God who was given the ability to prophesy through dreams and interpret them. This king, this Pharaoh, was worried about the people of Israel being too many in number. He thought they would overthrow his power and authority. Really, he was worried about his riches and his wealth. So let's read over in Exodus chapter 1, verse 22. It says, Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, Every son that is born to the Hebrews you shall cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. As I think about God preparing Moses for his ministry, I think about my past work history and how God has been preparing me and the ways that he prepared me for what I do now. I began my college education actually as a bassoonist, working towards a career either in music education or as a performer in a concert symphony. I grew up in California where there are multitudes of orchestras and symphonies that perform all over, the, all over the state and all over the world, really. As I thought about my future, I had doubts about that being the best place for me. I ended up moving to Portland in the fall of 1995 to attend Cascade College and become a Bible major. Who knew that I would be pursuing ministry as a career? I've held all kinds of jobs in my life, most of them retail, of course, I've worked for places like Rite Aid and Target. Uh, I worked at a movie, movie video rental store. I was at Pizza Hut. I worked in a bagel shop once. 
uh, and then even in the mall. I worked in Mall 205, and I worked at Lifeway Christian Store. I was a teller for Wells Fargo, but one of the most interesting jobs I've held was as a service tech for an air freshener company. What I would do is I would drive around town and change out the fragrances for air fresheners in businesses and apartment communities. I'd drive from business to business and change that fragrance so it was fresh and it smelled great. One of the most interesting stories, I remember going into a funeral home often. They had a few of our air fresheners in there. And so I would go into the different rooms. They had restrooms with air fresheners and other rooms, but they had a preparation room where they would prepare bodies for funerals. And then they had a literal freezer uh, where they had one of these air fresheners. And I would go into the freezer to change out the fragrance. I've probably seen a few dozen bodies ready for funerals. And one time I was in the freezer and the blower was on. And so it was loud and I couldn't hear anything but that blower. And uh, there was a sheet that was flapping behind me. And every time I would turn to change the air freshener, that something was moving right beside me in a funeral home as I'm changing this air freshener. And I jumped a few times. I thought maybe I had been at the center of the beginning of the zombie apocalypse. So these jobs, they might have been tough. Not hard to do. They weren't very hard. Some of them were actually very easy. But they were very unfulfilling. And at times they would break me down emotionally and spiritually, and I just felt dead inside. But what I found is that God was preparing me for something bigger. It's preparing me for full-time ministry. And again, I, I have lots of stories that I could tell, even about my 17 years in ministry. But I'll save those for another day. Ministry is tough. It's not an easy job either. And I know that Moses felt that way. Ministry is the one thing, though, that I feel I do pretty well. And then it actually fulfills me in my life. And I feel like myself most when I'm ministering. The times even in ministry where I felt like I've been in a drought have been more fulfilling than doing jobs for Target or Rite Aid. And those who follow the Lord often find themselves doing something that they don't necessarily like, but God's preparing them for something, even when they're not even aware of it at the time. So today we'll be seeing how God prepared Moses for the special assignment that he had for him. Let's read Exodus chapter 2, and we'll read verses 1 through 10. Now a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. When she could hide him no longer, she took for him a basket made of bulrushes and daubed it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the river bank. And his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. Now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river while her young women walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant woman, and she took it. When she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby was crying. 
She took pity on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the girl went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. When the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, because, she said, I drew him out of the water. Let's look at some of this passage. So first notice that it is a Levite woman who gives birth to Moses. As we learn more and more throughout history, the Levites are given a special role in God's kingdom. It's the Levites who are granted the special role to serve God in his tabernacle. It was the Levites who were responsible for packing up, transporting, and reconstructing the tabernacle whenever and wherever the wandering Israelites made a new camp. The Levites were the only tribe to not participate in creating the golden calf at Sinai. But before all this, a Levite woman, Jochebed, bears a son named Moses, who is condemned to die for simply being a male Israelite. As it says in the passage, he was a Hebrew. Pharaoh had perceived if he could eliminate males at birth, that future generations would cease to exist, and they would never have the army of men they would need to fight the Egyptian rulers. Jochebed hides Moses for three months. This is a huge sign of faith on the part of Amram, Moses' father, and Jochebed, his mother, as they trusted God to resolve their situation. Hebrews 11.23 tells us that Moses' parents were simply not afraid of being discovered. They trusted God. After three months, they knew he would be discovered. He's getting older. He's going to start to be seen now, and they're going to know that he's being fed. So they make a basket out of bulrushes, and bulrushes were papyrus reeds. And you know the papyrus was used, uh, papyrus, some people say. It was used to make paper, and uh, they would take these reeds, and there's a whole process they go through to flatten it and dry it. And, but th they made these, this basket out of these reeds, uh, the actual reeds. And then they, they would seal it with, as the passage says here, bitumen and pitch. Both are the kind of the same thing. It's like an asphalt, a sticky, black, uh, highly viscous liquid form of petroleum. And so they would take this petroleum material and they would spread it all over the basket, all over the papyrus reeds. And it's waterproof. And so if they're going to put this in the water, they would know that they need to make sure this basket is waterproof so that it doesn't sink. So the basket in this instance, uh, is the same word th that in Hebrew is used to describe Noah's Ark, Teva. This is the only other place in Scripture that we find this word. It's used for the Ark and for Moses' basket. Every person of Jewish heritage would have caught the significance of this word. And just as God's hand of grace was on Noah, a deliverer, bringing salvation, so it was with Moses, the deliverer, out of Egypt. Try to imagine this scene. Moses is floating down the dangerous Nile River. 
and God cares for this little boy in a small boat. He keeps him safe from crocodiles and poisonous snakes, safe from starvation and from drowning. We can also see God's hand in watching Moses as he's discovered by just the right person, Pharaoh's daughter. This wasn't any random person who, when opening this basket, might have been alarmed and could have turned this baby Israelite over for execution. Maybe it was a soldier found him, and maybe that soldier just immediately puts this baby to death right there in the Nile River where they were told to throw these young baby boys. But no, the daughter of the king finds him. And for us to see how God worked that Moses' sister was also right there and able to convince Pharaoh's daughter to let Moses' own mother, of course, she didn't know that, but Moses' own mother, to take care of her own child. We serve a God who takes care of his people. God works out his perfect will in amazing ways. Trust in him. The daughter of Pharaoh gave the child the name Moses, which means to draw out, thinking, I drew him out of the water. What a perfect name, given that God would use Moses to draw his people out of Egypt. Later in Exodus chapter 3, we will see a different Moses standing before a burning bush. Moses finds himself in the presence of God. He's made a different life for himself, and now he's speaking to God in a bush on fire, but not consumed. Earlier in chapter 2, we, we know that Moses was in a place of luxury. He was a brash person. And after his outcast from Egypt and 40 years of shepherding in the wilderness, Moses had reached the place where he said, Who am I? How can I be this person? I had this special place in the palace where maybe I was important before, but now I'm a shepherd and I've been doing this for 40 years. So he's saying to God, who am I? But God's success did not depend on who Moses was, but who God is. God tells Moses in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God calls himself, I am who I am. The liberation of Israel would be done in God's power and was to reveal God's compassion for his people. So as we wrap this up, let's think about some things and close this out. What are some things that God has called us as believers to do? How might each of us find our special place of service? A while back, Craig Benjamin led us to take a spiritual gifts inventory. I'm sure it's still available. And if you'd like to know more about what your spiritual gift might be, how you might be of service here at Southwest and to the greater kingdom of God, let us know. Let us help you to find out what your gift is. We'll give you that survey to take and we can help you interpret it. But ask yourself, how has God used your life circumstances to help you to grow and prepare you to serve Him? And then think about, what am I gifted in? How has the Spirit gifted me to be of service in the kingdom? Let me challenge you to think about those things. 
and to find out ways of discovering your role in God's kingdom as we serve our community at Southwest. Our goal last year, as we know, and for the future, because it doesn't end, is that every member would be a minister in our community. How can you take up that challenge? Thank you for listening to the Southwest Church of Christ podcast. If you'd like to join us in person, we meet every Sunday morning at 8.30 and 11 a.m. at 9725 Southwest Durham Road in Tigard, Oregon. If you'd like to find out more information about our church, you can go online at swest.org and check out our website.